Hello and welcome back to Redirected. My name is Andrew East and this is a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who has experienced a pivot or change in life. I think we all go through them. So I wanted to sit down with people who have gone through these transitions well, I call them redirections, uh, to hear some entertaining stories and also glean some wisdom along the way. So today's guest is Desh Amila. He is a documentary filmmaker and serial entrepreneur. He is currently the founder and CEO at This Is 42 and is working on his second feature film, which is called Better Left Unsaid. He raised $50,000 for the project and just recently announced the documentary uh, to the public. So 2018 was his first full-length feature film. It was called Islam, The Future of Tolerance, and it featured characters such as Sam Harris, Majid Nawaz, and became the number one iTunes download worldwide in the documentary category. Um, Desh and I talked about a wide range of things, including his film. Um, it's interesting. It seems like he has a knack for engaging in potentially contentious conversation. So I asked him about that and what is his motivation behind that. He also has a really interesting upbringing um, just with where he was raised and also his religious path. So he was raised in Sri Lanka. He was Buddhist. He was a fundamentalist. And then he went to born again Christian. Now he's an atheist. We talk about how that has affected his journey as well. So anyway, it was a really interesting conversation. Um, I hope you enjoy it. And before we jump into it, please subscribe to the show and give it a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Without further ado, I bring you Desh Amila. Desh, pleasure to meet you. I appreciate you uh, joining me. I know you're on the other side of the world here. So I believe it's early there where you are. Well, thank you for having me. It is 6.20 a.m. Okay. or in the future, Saturday. Uh, you're recording this <laughs> on a Friday. You're yes. in. That is I correct. I will be waking up the whole family in a bit. Nice. Uh, <laughs> listen, it seems like you have a, a, a bit of um, a desire for maybe we should call it self-imposed suffering with some of the topics that you pursue to, to, <laughs> to discuss um, between your, I know you have two documentaries. One's about yes. to be released. The other is already released. Yeah. Uh, one yes. is titled Islam, the future of tolerance. And then the other is called better left unsaid. Fill us in on what those are about. Well, Islam and the future of tolerance came out at a time where uh, particular conversations about Islam as an ideology it's a very very taboo subject uh, conversation about it uh, resulted in really death for some people but there was uh, a very important conversation that needed to be had and it you know one side of the political aisle was having this conversation uh, as the whole world's problems was because of this one group of people and this mm. ideology, while the other side of the political aisle just did not want to talk about it because they thought this might uh, hurt um, a minority group. Again, it came from, uh, from both sides, uh, whether it's right or wrong, came from a place that they thought was right. And I'm here thinking both sides are getting this wrong and it was too important. It, it is too important that uh, I mean, this, is, this conversation needed to elevate. So I made a film about um, Islam as an ideology, not Muslims as a, as, as a group of people, but Islam as an ideology. Um, and I had uh, the perfect um, two people to... 
uh, present this conversation because there was an extraordinary uh, over four-year conversation between two people ideology uh, their ideologies completely differ at the mm -hmm. beginning and they came to some form of an understanding and then continued that conversation and that was sam harris and majid nawaz um you know sam harris famous atheist uh, majid nawaz um ex uh, islamist extremist who went to jail for his activity so i had the opportunity to tell the story i wanted to sell being intellectually honest uh, through a movie called islam and the future of tolerance so mm. that was the first foray well so it's, it's, we'll, we'll pause there if you don't mind i i know you have uh uh a journey of your religion that's quite unique and i know you were born in a buddhist family joined a fundamentalist yes, I... church which was of what religion well it, here's the thing um i, I believe uh you know it, uh, some people will find it problematic uh the term it was a fundamentalist um church um again you know because uh, some elements of the, uh, of uh, this way of thinking has been really well branded as it's a progressive uh, way of thinking. But ultimately, mm -hmm. your characterization is right. So I was part of a, a born-again Christian movement, um, which uh, primarily reads um, the Bible through, one, a literal sense, two, um, Although it's it's contradictory to what I just said, but also looks at through um, what they call the prosperity gospel. In other mm. words, that God wants you to be rich in a way. Um, yeah. So you know, so those those, those uh, pastors you mm. may have heard, you know, <clears throat> who wants multiple jets and you know, things like that, and they justify it by saying that's what God wants. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, I did that too. Yes, you looked and, into. And and now you're a self-proclaimed atheist. Is that correct? Yes, I am. And I've been at it for a little while. So that's quite the spectrum of experiences there. Yes. Um, <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, there was a, for me, uh, due to personal circumstances, uh, um, you know, I, uh, I came to this country with relative uh, comfort with regards to my religious positioning, because, you know, for 19 years of my life, I was in a Buddhist majority country, born into a Buddhist family. Um, that being Sri Lanka. That, that, that being Sri Lanka, that's right. Yes. Uh, you know, and um, it's, it's such a, a norm. I didn't think too much of anything, but I got into a relationship with somebody who ended that relationship quoting corinthians um i think it's mm. 13 12 thou shall not be unequally yoked uh what that simply meant was she couldn't be with somebody who was not from the same religion which led me on to an uh, quite a journey <laughs> trying to find you know that particular uh, uh, religion as part of my identity and mm. yeah so i mean that didn't end up that well yeah. <laughs> um yeah it was uh, quite i had to do some mental gymnastics to make it work because my brain uh just reason and rationality was part you know even at that point my in my brain was just trying to comprehend this just contradicts everything uh how you understand the world and how you yeah. see the world so yeah um um i mean that journey did lead me to 
um, also try to understand other religions. I mean, I read the Quran um, yeah. and some hadiths um, because I did for a uh, short time consider maybe that is the path. I read the Mormon Bible. Um, I, you know, I read some of the Bhagavad Gita. And I, I ordered tons of books from Sri Lanka about Buddhism to see, you know, was that was that the case? Then I discovered uh, philosophy um, and started reading in the Stoicism and, you know, so old old philosophies to modern philosophies and eventually you know came out of all of that entire journey which lasted about three four years mm. as an atheist have you read a guide to the good life regarding stoicism good life uh no i have uh, i had i have not well so it's an it's an interesting uh take on stoicism i'd never actually kind of looked under the hood and, and examined that philosophy but is there a world that exists where, you know, partaking in a certain school of philosophical thought goes hand in hand with uh, religious belief? Or do you think they're mutually exclusive? I think it is. Um, it's not necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, at the beginning of this sort of journey, I, when you make that shift, you kind of get quite hung up on that what you've just learned at the mm. beginning of my atheism I, I would consider myself was a little militant about what i've just learned so i was <laughs> I, arguing people you know yeah. like when people stop me at the street uh to talk to you know preach the gospel because i've read the bible and i can quote things i would have these mm -hmm. great arguments but over time, I've mellowed a little, so I, I interact with a lot of people who have religious beliefs and mm -hmm. have a certain kind of um, understanding. So, to your point, I, I think um, you know the um, nowadays when you know we go down this path, I normally say you know I believe in Espinosa's God, um, which is. Um, if, if you're familiar, if you're not familiar, Espinosa was this extraordinary philosopher, um, ancient philosopher, um, who sort of um, made this comment. Um, uh, Einstein even said the same thing. It is the idea of God um, is not ascribed to a thing rather than it is the universe itself that is my simplest way of putting it um so and and i realize well, majority of religious people although they are part of a religion if you have that deeper philosophical conversation what they really believe in is a version of that you know they have different names sometimes they have rituals um, most of them ascribe the same qualities um, you know they just label it differently so if yeah. that is the case and if they lead a life uh, based on that you know not imposing on other people's and other people's ways of life I'm I, I really don't find that to be uh, mm. largely problematic so I went on, I went on my own <clears throat> spiritual journey. You could say, uh, my, I, I played professional football here in the United States. And the first team I signed with was the Kansas city chiefs. And a, and a lot of their coaches there are, are Mormon. And I'd never really had extensive uh, conversations with, um, someone who has different religious beliefs. Like I'd obviously had conversations, but I never really understood what are the mechanics that make your religion different than mine. 
And uh, it was so interesting to me to hear the Mormons belief where they essentially have a, you know, a part three to the Holy Gospels. And I believed in part one and two. And I would look at what the Mormons believed and be like, oh, how, how wild that you would just add this third book. Right. But then I realized that, oh, wow. Well, the, the, uh, the Jewish people look at Christians like that, that, oh, we just added this random second book. And then it sent me on this, you know, I, I read a bunch of, uh, kind of Christian cult books, uh, one by Lauren drain, where she was a part of Westboro Baptist church. And then her experience leaving that and kind of left me with a, uh, a more introspective approach to religion, but ultimately, um, yeah, I, I am a big fan of Sam Harris as well. Listen to his podcast. Uh, but I have realized that at some point, I think you ultimately choose a truth at, at some point. I feel like you are left with the choice of which is truth. And maybe I haven't gone deep enough to, to have that challenge, but I am still, a Christian while enjoying the philosophical uh, journey as well. Anyway, to tie it back into the the film, which I do want to do, I appreciate you entertaining that tangent. Um, what was the ultimate conclusion of the film without spoiling all the, all the goodies, but how, how can we view Islam as an ideology in a healthy way? Um, well, first and foremost, uh, one has to respect that it, um, as an ideology, it is complex and it has uh, different variations. In the West, there is a tendency to, when, they, when, when one says Islam, uh, consider it as this one thing. Now, mm -hmm. nowadays, people know, okay, there's Sunni, Shias, there's something like that. And then, you know, so, but it's a very simplistic view. You know, just like Christianity and Catholicism have these multiple layers within <clears throat> different denominations, um, within Islam, that exist. You know, mm. Within Islam, there are these multiple layers, and the movie goes through uh, simple ways of explaining each of these layers. It's mm. part of a conversation, so it's not like it's been preached at you. It's not a lecture that you're going to watch. And how each of these impact the way of life globally and each of these layers need there, there are certain connections but some of them are so different it's almost like well this part is an entirely different religion versus this part so we use concentric circles to explain and it's mm. littered throughout the movie um what I take a great pride in, and this all credit needs to go to Margie Nawaz and Sam Harris, is we uh, strongly influence uh, global language about this particular subject matter through the movie. The movie was bef uh, uh, before it was a movie, it was a book, um, but you know we popularized it. And now I hear some of the language in the movie people using in uh, interviews, you know, occasionally politicians use some of the words that we introduced. Um, and in Australia, there's this pivotal moment that I knew that we've had an impact is uh, similar to NFL. We have AFL here, a mm -hmm. uh, Aussie rules, uh, quite a prominent footballer went on a, um, <clears throat> a popular radio show and they were talking about something quite random and he brought up this particular subject matter mm. on a like a very popular show and he used the word islamism and 
we realize that he must have seen the movie, you know, and mm. now all of a sudden he has a language. And that's actually what we wanted to get because we wanted people to get the language and context. So next time when there's a conversation, um, you know, a simple thing as, you know, I've heard so often people use language like they're talking about Islam, the ideology, but they're saying the word Muslims, right? So they're mm. using the people to argue a point about ideology. So there are even a little difference like that presented in context really has a shift of how you think about that particular subject matter. So that was our aim. You know, by the way, the movie came out last year um, mm -hmm. and, and anyone who's listening to this, um, if you have an hour and a half, it, it's on Amazon Prime. If you have a Prime account, it's free. Um, please watch it. Yeah, we will link that down below. Uh, it is on Amazon and we'll provide that link. But uh, is it, Sam Harris interviewed, um, I can't remember his name, but this guy talked about how every genetic quality is is on a spectrum, right? So like your ability to be social, your whatever, uh, you know, fast twitch muscle fibers, everything is on this range. Is it fair to say, is it fair to view kind of Islam and really all religions as like, okay, look, you can't just group them into one. You can't just group people into one class that has this hugely wide spectrum, right? From one into another, you said it's almost like a different religion ish. Is, is that a, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's an apt description. Um, just to put it in perspective, you know, you have a, um, very, uh, aggressive uh, version of the ideology Wahhabism uh, that it really existed only in one place then you have um, a more of a modern modernized version of the religion uh, like like the Bori culture which exists way outside of it and you know the difference is um, I can describe in one way which is um, you look at Wahhabism, which means you will see the, uh, the females in that culture, even mm. from a very young age, fully covered. You're mm -hmm. looking through uh, the mesh almost. Um, and then you have the other end um, where, you know, the culture wouldn't mind if, you know, uh, if, if their, their females don't cover, you know, education is very important in those cultures. You know, so if you look at those two, you know, one end is prosecuted by the other end yeah. if it's within the same uh, boundaries of a country. So, yeah. you know, you, you'll be like, okay, how is that the same religion? But mm -hmm. it is. Was it born from your experience making this film that you ultimately came up with uh, the, the better left unsaid idea for a film? Yeah, so... I have been looking for my follow-up to Islam and the Future of Tolerance for a little while. Um, and last four years, uh, it's been um, quite a challenging um, place to be in if you're in politics or if you're even remotely interested. And this is before COVID. Um, so politics has been something that I've been interested in. Um, and... I got um, a cold email from a first-time filmmaker who was a fan of my first film saying, hey, I'm making this political documentary, um, but I need help. I don't know how to sort of finish it and get it out there. 
And I get a few messages like that quite often, um, but I, you know, I always give people uh, time. So when it, when I saw the concept, I gave some free advice and I kept doing that for a little while. And then eventually I got a really rough assemble of what could be a movie. And I'll be honest, I didn't have much faith in what I was getting. <laughs> but as I started watching it, I realized this has amazing potential. So, and it clicked in my head. This is the perfect movie to follow up from my last. And that's uh, why I picked it. So Kurt Jamungal, the writer director of this film is who I'm talking about. Mm. And so one of the taglines of the movie, I believe is when does the left go too far? Uh, I, I watched uh, a good bit of it and I would love for you to kind of just explore what, what the film undertakes and, and what's discussed. Absolutely. Now, I want to preface this by saying quite simply this. I consider myself um, a liberal, um, liberal, a small L liberal. Um, you know, I uh, see the important value of uh, enlightenment values that uh, fundamentally built um, the West as we know it right now. Um, so I am approaching this as uh, somebody who has center-left political ideology. Um, it, the problem we want to address is rather simple in a way. See, if you were to ask somebody who has far-right political ideology, what do they want? Well, their position hasn't changed for a hundred years plus, right? Mm -hmm. They what, what they want, what they you know, whatever they ultimately ultimately lay out the the primary premise is the same there is a ethnic superiority and everything all the policies it's based on that now if you ask the same question from the furthest of the left the far left it's not that simple an answer you know and i've started noticing especially in the last year and a half or so that some far-right ideologies are making its way to the mainstream and politicians are spouting it like it is important policy we should one should consider and i realize people don't know what these policies and what these ideologies really mean so i wanted to explore that in a way that uh gonna be uncomfortable to some of my peers I, it made me uncomfortable, but I do believe in having the ability to question one's own beliefs, ability to uh, clean up your own house <laughs> to a certain degree. Uh, so the film is a political thesis on political extremism, starting from uh, the far right ideologies. It does go into the far right, sorry, far left ideologies, to start off with mm -hmm. and then it goes into the uh, far-right ideologies it looks at the origins of uh, you know, where these ideas come from from the philosophical underpinnings um, and historical outcomes of uh, application of these ideologies and then eventually it tries to present a way of thinking that could potentially lead to an answer and you again just like Islam and the future of tolerance, the idea is not necessarily to tell you, here's what you need to do 
to get out of this mess. It's rather giving you the language, giving you pause to think about what is happening and then have conversations, better conversations. So is the goal to, to come up with that answer or to, to increase, you know, the quality of conversations and teamwork per se? Bit of both. Yeah. Bit of both. Um, this movie is a little bit different to my last movie in the sense um, I didn't direct it. Um, so, uh, and I say this um, with utmost love to Kurt, um, I actually disagree said, uh, about certain bits in this movie. So there's actually going to be two versions. There's a director's cut that's about two hours long, and there's another cut, which is the public version, which is 90 minutes. I think you may have seen it. Um, and that is because we have certain points of difference. Um, mm. And I agree about 80% of uh, what we are talking about, but that 80% is important enough for me to put my name on it and, and put it out there. Um, the way I tell people, um, I'm more of a student of the Sam Harris School of Thinking, and um, Kurt is more of a, you know, Petersonian, Jordan Peterson uh, school of thinking mm. so that's why the ending may not satisfy some people but that's mm. okay still yeah. worthwhile your time when can we expect the release of that so um taking from what i learned last time around releasing a movie uh this time we are attempting to self-distribute um so we are right now at the hands of uh, the gods at Amazon, uh, iTunes, and Google. So the film has been submitted. We're waiting for them to tell us. But we are hoping uh, it, uh, March this year, we can have the movie out. Um, awesome. And as soon as it's out, I will let you know. Uh, I, I hope your audience will be curious enough to consider it. I would love to kind of follow up the, uh, the exploration that you did. First of all, with the question of is the political climate, listen, we live in the United States, just had the election recently, and it seems like, oh my gosh, nobody's having a conversation. It's like, it's it's this wild tribalism of, oh my gosh, you believe that? Well, I don't want anything to do with you. Is, is that how uh, extreme it is globally? I think you have a little better insight than than I might in that sense. Well, I, I, I must admit, um, what is happening in America is somewhat unique to America. There are a couple of other places in the West that it is as polarized. Um, but overall, I think uh, I'm sitting here in, um, or rather standing here in uh, Australia, and we have a political system um, by the virtue of how the system works, we are not as polarized as mm. America. For example, we have rank voting um, and our elections run for measly 30 days. So, uh, you know, and the campaigns, everything is done. So people mm. don't really have the time to be uh, captured um, by the political rhetoric for years to come. Mm. In, in America, I think uh, you know, years of... Um, uh, social inequality um, and extraordinary uh, shaping of the minds by uh, mainstream media outlets compounded by the true potential in the negative of social media has created 
just a hotbed of um, anguish and frustration um, among American public that is unprecedented. I don't think uh, I have witnessed anything like that. Um, and so from a global perspective, it feels uniquely American right now. So I think in a way well, that's, that's good. news. Good. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's just us. This is our problem. I love that. Um, but so I do want to, I do want to, I do want to mention one thing though. Um, uh, there is a, a, a global um resurgence in um, far-right way of thinking populism is making uh, has made a uh, surprising comeback you have your uh, you know the Tates of Philippines um, um, and uh, you know, certain leaders in Europe in Brazil um, there is uh, what you got to understand although it is an internal problem or an internal strife within America America has the world's largest megaphone. So because of your reach of your media, it does export to the rest of the world. And this is why I'm very much interested in American politics because of the flow on effect. So your problem has become the world's yeah. problem. Yeah. We're, we're kind of marketing geniuses, which typically doesn't, uh, present this type of harm but in this case it, it seems like it might i like to maybe romanticize humanity and the differing viewpoints and say you know what at the end of the day everybody wants the same thing they're just going about it in a different way whether you're on the far right or far left the goal is to you know advance humanity and to expand everybody's well-being is that the case or am i misled well uh, this is one of the problems we tackle in this movie. Um, mm. uh, Kurt will fundamentally disagree with that statement. Um, I am sympathetic towards your statement because ultimately, um, as human beings, we have a, a collective goodness in us and we want to achieve um, that that level of um, our ability to do certain things and we want to pass it on to a next generation i believe that we just go about it differently you know, if you mm. ask um, you know somebody with uh, right-wing ideology um on the face of things you know they think they are good the other side is evil you are the same view goes to the left mm -hmm. um but kurt comes to a different conclusion um, okay. I don't want to give away too much. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I highly recommend you watch the movie. And I, one thing I want to mention is that we try our best to uh, present evidence throughout the movie. We, on screen, we show the studies we cite um, and where we get to the point we get to, how yeah. we get to the point rather. So um, again, the reason that I'm happy doing that is it will get you thinking, you know, mm -hmm. is it that the far right and the far left want the same thing? Maybe they actually want fundamentally different things. It is, it'll be, you will be the judge at the end of watching this movie and it'll give you pause. So yeah, that. you just, you encourage thought regardless of yes. where you stand. Okay. Uh, Dash, I know you're a filmmaker, but you also have other entrepreneurial ventures. Uh, I know you're involved with uh, This Is 42. 
speak about that and, and maybe some other fun things you have going on. Absolutely. Um, so right now, This Is 42 is my new venture. Um, it is a media company that is producing tons of content. Um, you know, we obviously made a movie. Uh, we have a number of podcasts we are producing. Um, and we are currently engaged in a quite, um, you know, very early stages uh, of a platform we're developing. Um, mm. We should be able to put it out later. Well, actually, hopefully Q2 of 2021. It is difficult to launch something from scratch in during a pandemic. Mm. But um, I have uh, this belief that um, education should be fun. Um, and both my parents are school teachers um, from Sri Lanka. Uh, so education's always been uh, part of my family. But I am uh, hugely inspired by the megaphone of America, Hollywood, and its its uh, music and films, and why they reach so far and wide is because they are entertaining. And I am a um, student of the school of hip hop, so nice. I consider what I do is edutainment. Uh, it's uh, if you if you if you know if you didn't know now you know. Carries one's album uh, is the inspiration for that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, the point I'm trying to make is so uh, what I'm trying to do, whether it's film, whether it's podcast, and this new platform we are coming up with, is all about uh, making education as entertaining as possible without taking away from the, the inter intellectual integrity education must have so i'm working towards a platform remember the name this is 42 uh in the next uh few months should be able to announce what's coming up i know it's um, i'm dealing in vagaries here um mm -hmm. but uh something exciting is brewing in the background wow i'm excited i'll tell you what's exciting is that beard is impressive dash i am six weeks <laughs> unshaven and this is all i have to show for it so kudos to you on that uh, right. thank you thank you <laughs> i have a tendency uh every four or so years i go through a complete transformation of my look great well i'm glad i caught this version what are your goals now dash um well my goal for this year um is i've got a number of um businesses that i've set up i want to make sure that I reach the potential. I want to make sure at least 100,000 people uh, watch the movie Better Left Unsaid. Um, I get This Is 42 platform out there this year. A um, couple of the podcasts I'm producing, I want to continue to uh, reach larger audiences. Um, I think your audience may be interested and may have heard of um, the young Coleman Hughes, um, a mm -hmm. promising, promising young uh, intellectual from America who is doing amazing things. We had a, well, this is going to sound uh, awful to some, but we had an amazing 2020. <laughs> um, you know, and we've got another podcast coming out this year. Um, so yeah, I have uh, big goals for this year. I feel like 2020, we built a strong foundation. Now it's time to build on it. When you look back on your life experience today, growing up in Sri Lanka, as a Buddhist migrating to Australia, 
all through that, your, your religious experience. Um, and then also in your career as a filmmaker and then beyond, are there three lessons that you've learned or have been shared with you that have resonated well with you and, and, uh, you, you'd like to share with us? Sure. Um, the first thing that comes to my mind is around, uh, 2010, one of my mentors, uh, sat me down and, uh, pointed out something. So the first thing is, if you can learn from people who've uh, done it before you, put your pride aside, listen to them, because you need to understand you are standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, you know, we have the entire human history <laughs> of learning. And you know, some people get to a point of... Um, I know it's hubris thinking that I know everything. I know better than anybody else that came before me. You don't. So first thing, uh, don't uh, shy away from getting advice from people who've done it. And mm. even if they're older, and even if they're not as successful as you think, uh, you know, you want them to be, it doesn't really matter. That's mm. one. Two is um, for me, and now this is going to come across as I haven't taken this advice, but I promise you I have, which is, Focus on minimal number of things. Uh, mm. If you can, just one thing, put a lot of energy into that one thing and you may be able to uh, split into different areas. So my example was this particular meeting, uh, this mentor of mine uh, had a whiteboard and told me, okay, Desh, write down every project you're working on. And I wrote down 17 things, uh, 17 <laughs> projects I was trying to work on. And he asked me to just stare at it for a little while and tell him, how am I going to do all of that? And I kind of had answers, but as I was justifying myself, I realized mm. this is not going to work out. There is no possible way um, that I can do all of these things in at the same time. So focusing on a couple of things really will help you. So in 2013 was when I launched, relaunched a, co a company called Think Inc which was a concept I had since 2010. Um, and I was trying to do it in different ways. Um, Thinking ended up becoming Australia's and New Zealand's largest intellectual touring company, because mm. that's the only thing I did. Um, and now I'm doing a few things, but ultimately they're all connected to the same thing. So focus on one thing. That is a big, big uh, lesson I learned. And the third thing, uh, which... Um, somebody who I had a massive disagreement um, told me, and I, I consider that uh, an enormous um, uh, learning is he really didn't like me, but he, he said he respect my ability to adapt. So mm. adapting to changing conditions, um, it, it is difficult, but because, you know, since I was uh, uh, six years old, I've been in boarding schools, even when I was in Sri Lanka, and then coming to Australia at a, a you know, end of my teenage years, um, having to do everything on my own and all the hurdles I've gone through in my life, what made it work was my ability to adapt. You know, right now in the, uh, two years ago, I was running events and now the event mm. industry, uh, this side of the world has been decimated because of, uh, you know, once in a lifetime pandemic, but I have adapted now successfully 
to do all these other things. You know, this documentary uh, we are talking about was made during a pandemic. This platform that's about to come out was made during a pandemic. And ability to adapt and not being scared when you have to do that, when you're forced to do that, uh, is, is, is a very important thing I've learned. Mm. Wow, those are wise words. Desh, I appreciate you giving uh, me time today. Appreciate your experiences and your thoughtfulness. If you want to find out more about Desh as a listener, we will link uh, his information as well as information for some of his pro projects down below. But uh, it was a pleasure to meet you, and I look forward to what's next, Desh. Thank you so much, mate. And thank you so much for anyone who decided to listen this far. Yeah. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, thank you again, mate. Uh, I really appreciate it. It's great conversation.